It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. The other side of midnight presents the Midnight Files. other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, it's no secret that over the course of the last six years, the issue of UFOs and UAPs and ETs and everything that that encompasses has gone from something that was relegated only to late night radio shows and uh, cheap pulp novels to being taken very seriously, not only in the world of journalism, uh, with feature articles by CBS News, Fox News, CNN, and of course, the New York Times, but it's being taken so seriously by mainstream America that there's actually now been a series of congressional hearings on this. There's been new legislation on this. And the issue is now taken very seriously by public policymakers, not just in this country, but all over the world. I'm very pleased uh, to be joined by a gentleman who's one of the key people responsible for the mainstreaming of the UFO issue. He is a veteran reporter for the New York Times, a Pulitzer Prize winner, author of The Believer, and uh, he's embarking on a pretty serious new uh, new project now, which we're going to tell you about with his co-author in a moment. Let me first begin by welcoming the one and only Pulitzer Prize winning author, Ralph Blumenthal. Ralph, it's hey. great to talk to you again. Frank, likewise. Great to hear you. Thank you. Yeah, You have a, a co-author that uh, we're going to talk about your new project in a moment, but she has uh, a very similar last name, Deborah Blumenthal. I'm wondering if it's any relation. Hello, Deborah. Uh, yes, uh, a steady relationship for many years. We have been married. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And uh, as long as, uh, long as you still are married, then uh, I yeah. imagine that produces a very good writing collaboration as well. <laughs> Um, Now, uh, Ralph, let me begin. If people haven't heard our previous discussion about your book, The Believer, it's one of the most uh, fascinating discussions ever. And it has to do with a very serious academic, Harvard psychiatrist, John Mack. And it's funny. I had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with William Shatner a few months ago, and Mm. he and I ended up talking about how remarkable the story of John Mack was. And I recommended your book to him. I don't know if he ended up reading it, but he was fascinated by the story of John Mack and he knew all about it. For any of our listeners 
that aren't familiar with John Mack and are not familiar with your previous book, The Believer. Tell us about it. Give us the sort of the Reader's Digest version of who John Mack was and why his work was so significant. Great. It's, it's uh, very happy to do that. Uh, John Mack was an esteemed uh, Harvard psychiatrist uh, at Harvard Medical School. Uh, he'd grown up in a very conventional uh, household, wealthy household, but uh, um, nothing about, you know, aliens and UFOs or so. But um, he um, had the experience of meeting a, a pioneer of, of UFO research, Bud Hopkins, and little by little, he got interested himself, and he, he wondered why so many of his psychiatric uh, patients were telling him stories about uh, encounters with alien beings. And um, he, quit, he, he looked into it, and he got very interested in it, and he quickly realized that these people were not mentally ill. They came from all walks of life, uh, all ages, including little children, and they all talked about this uh, unexplained and unexplainable um, event, uh, this encounter with uh, uh, other intelligence. And uh, he spent his uh, later years trying to figure it out. Um, He didn't solve the mystery, as as we don't solve the mystery today, Um, but he at least, uh, you know, showed what it wasn't. It was not fabrication. It wasn't a hoax. It wasn't, uh, you know, to make money. Uh, on the contrary, these people were, you know, frightened of, of what happened to them, and they they ran away from the experience. So anyway, that was his contribution. He was an eminent uh, ac- academician, and he took it seriously and shed light on a very, very strange uh, area of the paranormal. And, and Shatner told me, and you get into this a little bit in your book, that a lot of his reputation was damaged, both within academia and maybe even financially, because he took these folks so seriously, right? Well, he did. And he, uh, you know, he was not one to walk away from controversy. He he saw a mystery here, which was compelling, certainly one of the greatest mysteries uh, ever in, in the cosmos. Um, and he just, he determined to pursue it even when Harvard thought he was going too far, and they secretly investigated him. In the end, they cleared him. He did nothing wrong, but it did damage him. Wow. It's a wild, wild uh, story, and people should check out the book, The Believer, and uh, especially all the cynical uh, listeners in our audience that uh, every time the subject of abduction comes up, you have people rushing to claim that they're either grifters or delusional. Well, clearly, John Mack did a lot of research into it, and that was not his conclusion. Uh, Ralph, before we discuss what you and Deborah are working on now, because I know this is a big week for you guys— you totally turned the world of UFO journalism on its head six years ago with that front page story in the New York Times. Now, there were two huge revelations in this story each of which could have been its own front-page story. One was uh, the incredible images uh, uh, captured by naval pilots showing these naval pilots actually uh, chasing uh, UFOs that they couldn't explain. You hear the disbelief of the pilots. The other thing that was interesting is that the uh, government, through mostly Harry Reid, had been funding this secret UFO exploration program, ATIP, for several years. I'm wondering, uh, Ralph, how did that article come to be? How did you uh, come to uh, work on that story? And how did you get the New York Times to put it on its front page? And how did it come to come off the way it did? Well, I'd been working on my book, The Believer, all along, but 
quite independently of that, I, I had met Leslie Kane, uh, who's you know the, the foremost UFO writer in the country, probably the most knowledgeable investigator of UFO phenomena. And she had gone down to Washington and met um, some intelligence people who told her, um, you know, secretly of this uh, Pentagon unit that had been investigating UFOs all along. They got $22 million from Harry Reid. It was never announced. The government was supposedly out of the UFO business for 50 years. They said there was nothing to it. You know, it was all, uh, you know, either a hoax or fabrications. Um, of course, they were. the government was always interested in UFOs and um, in 2007 had funded this secret unit to investigate UFOs. And they actually had pictures, as you said, of encounters between Navy pilots and these objects, which were very real indeed. They weren't, you know, hallucinations of any kind. So um, Leslie came back from that meeting in Washington. We took it to the New York Times. I'd been a New York Times writer for a long time, but um, I, I'd you know, recently retired, but I still contributed to the paper. Uh, the Times got it right away. They saw that we had all the information on the record, named sources, you know, everything documented. Um, and as you said, they ran the story on the front page on a Sunday, and it, it produced a, a tremendous reaction. Now, uh, let me ask both of you about this uh, great book that has just come out just a few days ago. It's called UFOs, Mystery in the Sky. And it's the it's one of it's the first UFO book that I've ever seen that's nonfiction, but geared towards young people. Deborah, tell me about the idea for this book. How did that come about? Well, actually, during the pandemic, we were both home together, and Ralph was doing numerous interviews and podcasts about The Believer. And it struck me one day, as a, as a children's book author perpetually in search of new ideas for projects, that there wasn't anything out there on UFOs for children. Um, you know, there have been books for middle-aged kids and young adults, but really nothing with interesting pictures for the kindergarten set, um, and in fact, this book is for children six to nine. So we discussed it, and you know, together we, you know, we put together a manuscript, and it was illustrated by a terrific children's book illustrator named Adam Gustafson, who did an earlier book of mine called The Blue House Dog. And so the project really just came together, and the University of New Mexico Press, we thought, was the perfect home for it since they had published Ralph's book. And and that was really, you know, how it all started. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Why did you guys think it was important to have a book focused on UFOs for for children? Uh, there's a lot of folks, a lot of parents of uh, six-year-olds that might say, well, it might be a little spooky for, uh, for uh, my child. Why do you think it's important for children to learn about this stuff, not in a science fiction type of way, but in a factual type of way? Right. That's a great question. Um the fact is people have been reported have reported sightings all over the world for years and 
they're talking about the subject. They're talking about it at home. They're talking, you know, with the family. They're talking with friends. And so you can't exclude children from the conversation. So it seemed obvious to me that the best way to introduce the subject to kids is to talk about what we don't know and what we hope to find out. The, you know, it's a huge mystery, and kids love mysteries. So bring them into the conversation, and everything is less threatening when you sit mm. down with your kids and talk about it. I think the most dangerous thing is, is to exclude them from conversations in the hope that you'll, you know, somehow safeguard them or prevent them from being afraid. You know, that that's not how it works. And, and you know, uh, Frank, I mean, kids are very sophisticated today. They see a lot of stuff on TV and on social media. Um, and uh, so this stuff is, is, you know, in the air, literally. Mm. Um, so they're picking up, you know, bits and pieces of this. So uh, it's not like, you know, we're introducing this to, to them mm. completely cold. They've uh, heard stories. They've seen a lot of fictional, you know, representations of this on TV and cartoons. So we wanted to give them a sound basis for sort of understanding this, because the worst thing you can do to a kid, as Deborah said, is is, is hide something and, and give them the feeling that there's something wrong about this, and, something dangerous, you know. So we wanted to confront it. Absolutely. And, and the fact is the whole children's book field has gotten much more sophisticated. And, it, you know, books are dealing with all types of topics that you wouldn't have imagined years ago. So obviously kids are ready for it. If the material is presented in a simple and non-threatening way, um, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And even though my son's uh, a couple of years pri- uh, too young, probably, for the target audience of this book, I'm going to be ordering a copy, and I'll look forward to when he's old enough to understand it. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Deborah Blumenthal and Ralph Blumenthal. They are the co-authors of UFOs, Mysteries in the Sky, the first book to explore the strange, exciting, and unknown world of unidentified aerial phenomena for kids. Ralph, I have found that a lot of times it's the adults rather than the children that tend to have a closed mind about this stuff. I'm wondering, even though the intended audience for this book is children, is this a book that adults could benefit from in terms of uh, learning a little bit about the facts in an easy-to-understand way and maybe looking at this issue from a more open perspective than they heretofore have? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we presented this in a very sober way. We acknowledge that it's a mystery. We don't have answers. But we also say that these things have been seen in the sky now, photographed by, you know, Navy pilots. Um, and now the government, for the first time in recent years, partly as a result of, of our reporting in the New York Times, has said that these things are actual, you know, physically real. They're objects that we don't know anything else about, where they come from, or who might be behind the wheel, if any, anybody or anything. Uh, why are they here? We don't know any of that, but at least we know that these things... Uh, physically are real and they're not hallucinations and you know they're not uh, fly specks on the windshield and all the other explanations so um, uh, and I think parents uh, you know are coming to grips with that too there's there's still a feeling in many parts of the country that this is demonic and you know we don't want to deal with this but 
you know, facts are stubborn things, and uh, the country's coming around to it. Uh, the, the, the government is now saying these things are real. So it is a way of bringing parents and children together to look at the phenomenon, as I said, in a very factual, straightforward way. We don't talk about aliens. You know, we don't talk about the supernatural. We just talk about things that are now acknowledged as, as real and that remain mysterious but uh, have a physicality uh, that cannot be denied. Deborah, I know you've written books for children before, you've written books for young adults before, and you've written books for plain old regular adults before. I- I'm wondering how different the process is to do each of the three of those, a-, a book for children versus young adults versus adults. Do you have to sort of get yourself in a different headspace to work on each of those? Um, I wouldn't say a different headspace. For me, what's key is just falling in love with the subject. And once I fall in love with the subject, that, you know, I fixate on it and, and do the research and have fun with the words and uh, you know, just take the time I need to write the story. Uh, so it, it really doesn't matter to me whether I'm writing for children or um, young adults. It, it, it's a matter of falling in love with the subject and finding something that I want to spend time with. That's great. Well, the book, again, is called UFOs, Mysteries in the Sky, and it's available on uh, Amazon and most other places that uh, that books are available. Uh, Ralph, while I have you here, I, I alluded to the congressional hearings that we've already seen on this, the legislation that has come out to protect UFO whistleblowers, the provisions regarding UFOs or UAPs that are in the National Defense Authorization Act. I'm curious, as somebody that follows this stuff pretty closely, what do you think the next step is in terms of congressional action on this, if any? And do you think we're any closer to really a watershed moment in terms of disclosure about what the government does know fully about these things and having them level with the public about what they might know? Yeah, well, we still have a long way to go. I mean, uh, you could look at how far we've come, which is considerable, because, as I said, the government is now acknowledging that these things are real. Um, and that they're concerned about it from a national security standpoint, from a you know a mystery that they don't know you know where these objects are coming from or why they're here. Um, but there's still a lot that's being withheld from the American people. The last hearings were, I think, kind of disappointing in many ways because um, a lot of the material is still classified. It's not being discussed in public. Um, uh, you know, uh, a lot of information is still being withheld from the American people deserve to know that this is, uh, you know, and not only the American people, the people of the world. I mean, this is all our communal future uh, is going to be based on understanding, you know, what this phenomenon is. So um, it's a kind of a mixed bag. I think the last few hearings have been kind of disappointing for people who are looking for, you know, big revelations. Uh, but the fact that they're occurring at all, you know, Congress uh, has been very uh, afraid to step into this field because they don't want to be accused of, you know, of, of uh, um, you know, being gullible or mentally ill, you know, all those things that can hurt a, a politician. Uh, so they've been kind of courageous in, in stepping up and, and looking at this issue. So we still have a long way to go. But if you look at how far we've come, uh, that's encouraging. 
Well, I think it's terrific. I want to wish both of you the best of luck with this uh, with this new book. I'll look forward to getting a copy for my son, and uh, I hope a lot of the parents in our audience do the same thing. Uh, Ralph and Deborah Blumenthal, thanks very much. I'll look forward to talking with you both again soon. Thanks so much, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.